We here at the Making Spaces podcast believe that politics are important, that they matter, and that you should care about it too. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Yes, those other names mean something, and they do jobs that mean something. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters, so make sure you have a plan to vote and to vote informed. I mean, we know that this year has been crazy. The U.S. Postal Service is under attack. We all feel a certain type of way about it. So make your vote matter. Make it count. Make sure it gets there on time by going to BallotReady.org and entering your address to make a plan to vote and to vote informed. Be informed. Space makers, if you're like me, you like to have an accessory that stands out. So for me, I like a big, bold earring. And that's why I love the work of my co-host. She has an incredible handmade jewelry line made from recycled and repurposed leather. We are all about repurposing, friends. Her work you can find on Instagram at the J shop.thej. J, just the letter J. You can also find her work at etsy.com slash shop slash shop the J. And when you check out, use code MAKINGSPACEPOD for 15% off your purchase. I'm telling you, these are my favorite earrings and they're such a statement piece and people will be definitely making space for you in these. Hi, Space Makers. Welcome to this week's uh, Making Spaces podcast. I'm Sarah Heath. And I'm Josie Jimenez. And together we are... Space Makers. Yay! Yay! Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Um, We are uh, really excited to uh, check in this week because I am headed tomorrow morning to Tennessee. My first time flying since COVID. Ooh. Oh, I know. Have fun. Thanks. I just got an email that was like... Uh, uh, your plane's oversold. So if you'd like to switch flights, and I'm like, mm, that makes me nervous. How many humans are on the plane? Uh, and then you asked me if there was no middle seat. So then I went and looked. No, because there's only like it's two seater, like two seats on each side. Ooh, I'm nervous, but I am excited to go pick up. So I'm going to Tennessee to pick up my trailer. My not to pick up my trailer to put tires on my trailer, which is exciting because. <laughs> Because I bought tires, not realizing that it's hard to put tires on wheels. Because you say the saying, like, I'm going to change my tire, but you actually mean you're going to change your wheel. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just going to publicly state that we need to say someone changed their wheel on the side of the road. Because here I was thinking I could just put tires on a trailer, when really what I need to do is put tires on a wheel, then put it on the trailer. Does that make sense? Semantics, semantics. All I know is that I don't know if I have enough handiness to be doing this project and I cannot wait to share it with all of you space makers making this 1973 trailer Gidget uh, into what she's going to become. We're going to film the whole thing because this is ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing. It'll be a whole series hopefully coming soon. (laughs) It'll be a series of like a series of failures. I hope not. Uh, Failures leading to success. Yes. How was your week, Joes? Um, pretty good. 
just you know family in mourning over here uh we're officially over the funeral and the huge mexican party that we threw the day after full of beer and banda and a million other things it was was me crazy what was the drink the michelada so it's like a beer a mexican light beer with tomato juice and other situations i don't know my friend p loves those like she'll order that out at a restaurant Mm -hmm. we had some like guys with their truck just come do it (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, would you say that's bougie when you have like a, a food truck at a funeral well it wasn't a food truck it was just a truck like a truck with the covers on them, like the boxes or whatever. They opened like up the flap. Like a camper truck? Kind of. And they opened up the flap and then they just made them right there on a cart, those card tables that you buy at Costco or something. I legitimately feel like I wasted my 40th birthday party. Oh, and it's free. They'll come because we, we paid the 10 bucks. So 10 come. bucks per drink? Yeah, but they're humongous. They're like, ooh. Huge. We're learning so much. Um, I needed to bring up something with you before we hop into this episode and talk about where I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Yeah. uh, So Josie says this thing, this word bougie all the time. And now my dad has started just peppering that into conversation because my dad is an avid listener of the podcast. And uh, he, which is why I'm always afraid, like mom and dad, and I'm sorry if I disappoint you. I'm sorry, I can't be my brother who's an electrical engineer and is so smart. Um, But like my dad has started peppering in the word bougie into conversation, Josie, and this is 100% your fault. Listen, he's learning. He's learning the life. He's learning to reject the bougie, accept the norm. I don't know. I don't know either, but I feel like you have definitely infiltrated our family, which is good. It's great. Hi, Dad. All right. So. I'm picking up a trailer, which means that poor Josie is in charge of our community for a whole week on her own. Yeah. In case we haven't made it abundantly clear, we uh, work together at church. Sarah's the boss, but I'm (laughs) the other boss. She's legitimately the boss. (laughs) I keep it running. Yeah, you do. So uh, I'm going to be working remotely as much as I can, but I have to tell you, having Josie on staff has made it I, I feel okay about it. I'm recording tonight. I'm recording my sermon in front of a fire pit, it, which is great because it's only 98 degrees right now. 98 degrees and rising. You're too young, Josie, to know what that's from. Probably. It was a band, 98 degrees. Nick. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm really bad with band names. I can sing the whole song and people are, what's the name of the song? I don't know. Who sings it? I don't know. It was uh, the guy from, uh, he married Jessica Simpson. Nick Lachey. Nick Lachey, 98 Degrees and Rising. He actually right, has 98 Degrees is. tattooed on his arm. How embarrassing. Uh, regrets. Um, anyway, that's been uh, checking with, in and with our regrets and our weekly update. Um, now, I think it would be important for us to talk a little bit about this episode. And I have to tell you, we joke, but really unintentionally, all of September, we interviewed people who went to Azusa Pacific University, which we are not sponsored by, nor would they appreciate half of the things we said, I don't think. Not really. <laughs> Never going to be invited back to that campus. But it was a great thing. It was fun, right? Yes. I think um, interacting with people that I know, love, and went to school with is hilarious in the real world. It's a whole yeah. different thing. Versus me, who when I go home... Uh, when I'm in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I went to high school and college, 
um, I will go, they go to the mall still. So imagine like, <laughs> you don't even know, uh, like a mall, like a, like the, what you saw in like uh, Stranger Things, like mm-hmm. people still go to malls. So I'll go to a mall because one of my favorite restaurants is inside of the mall. Don't shake your head in judgment. Um, and I'll go there and I'll see people from high school and then I don't know what to say. I get so awkward. And then if I see someone from college, I also get awkward. This is why I don't like going back to my hometown because I'm not that far removed. I'm headed towards the 10-year anniversary point, but still, there's a lot of people that stayed in Downey, California, and Downey, California just had a Trump parade, so I'm not really all that interested in (laughs) meeting up with people from high school that I don't already talk to. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Um, Not, you know, and it's not that people were so nice to me in high school, but I was like a totally different culture and I didn't know what I was doing. And I still feel like most of high school for me was like looking around being like, where do I belong? What space am I able to take up? Who do I fit in with? And uh, it's hard now to see people. So. Oh, I know. I was exactly the same in high school. And I've had somebody recently tell me, he's like, I feel like people just didn't understand you back then. And now you're just a normal human being. I was like, yeah. Opinionated bitches get shit done. Well, I've just always been opinionated and I've always known that I was smarter than most of these people. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, everybody. But it's just, you know, I was very stuck in who, not stuck, but I was very sure of who I was. And I was in marching band and people in marching band like to bully each other. And I was just like, I got too many other issues for to pay attention to you. We've already talked about my marching band PTSD. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, but Friends. interacting with people from college is very different, like Carly. Right. That's it. So you made all these connections with people who are fantastic. So when Josie and I decided that we were going to co-host this thing together, one of the things we decided was that um, we would both bring people into the mix. So um, we've recorded a bunch of her f- connections, a bunch of my connections. By the way, you can leave us comments and let us know who you want to hear about, how they make space, whether it's artistically or actually, um, we never really explained what this podcast was, but you know what? You found it. So welcome. Um, welcome to the space. Uh, but Carly was one of these people that you said she does branding for companies differently. Mm-hmm. And I will have to admit to a little bit of cynicism. I was like, oh, everyone is a business coach. And I know that's horrible, but I worked in a co-working space where everyone in there was a business coach. I know really cool business coaches. I have a friend, Laura, who's a fantastic business coach. I think business coaches are great, but I also like, you know, I was reading her stuff about authenticity and I was like, oh my gosh, I wrote a book on authenticity. And then she talked about how you want to like use story. And I'm like, I wrote a book on story. And I thought, I don't know how this is going to go. She is fantastic and this conversation had surprises in it and I love that she was like a poli sci major at APU she wasn't how did you get did you guys meet when she took like an art class or something how did you meet honestly we just kind of had mutual friends and she did embroidery in college like she would sell these cute shirts and of course I had to buy one so we just kind of connected casually and kept in touch throughout then and kind of have followed each other through Instagram and our creative endeavors. And I'm just obsessed with the way that she does things. Um, Because like you said, yeah, everybody's a fucking business coach, but (laughs) she does things that are so different and so honest. Like people Mm. talk about authenticity, but she's very honest and very um, into the whole person in business. You know, I love when she said there's like this moment that like, I mean, from the first moment we started talking and, and you guys will hear it in just a minute, but um, 
when she sort of talks about why many of us being authentic isn't actually second nature. Um, and I think that is actually something I've noticed both in my career as a pastor, but in my career as a speaker as well. And even as you start to talk about authenticity and Brene Brown, and you're like, I know everyone thinks they know what authenticity is, but um, I love that she was talking about this internalized limiting voice we have. And so I'm excited for folks to hear this conversation. Um, and the fact that this poli sci major like took an art class and it changed her whole life. Mm-hmm. Art does that people take an art class. Everybody ceramic studio right now, immediately turn this off and go sign up for a online art class. Cause you can't do it in person right now. Uh, yeah. Wine and wine and yeah, paint. you can do like paint and wine night, whatever it's called. Paint and wine night online. Oh, that's a little bit sad. Are they really doing those online? I don't know. Do it with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink wine and paint with your kids. That Give feels them like grape juice. We don't have kids, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Clearly, we don't know actually how kids work. Uh, <laughs> we are really grateful for all of you who are still listening to us um, and continue to listen to us and who reach out. We would love for you to leave a comment for us on iTunes or even on the YouTube channel. Um, you're going to want to see, if, if you're listening to this episode, also log on to YouTube, which is youtube.com dash slash mother trucker. You slash, slash it. You don't. I know, slash Rev Sarah Heath. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and check out this conversation with Carly because she just has one of the most warm. I feel like if you're only getting to hear her, you're not getting to experience all of her. She's just got this massively warm presence. Um, mm-hmm. And also leave us a voicemail. And so today we have a voicemail um, from someone who did not leave his name, but guess what? The system tells us who it is. So this is from Kent, who is in Irvine, California. And you're going to be able to tell it's California because he shares with us how his favorite space is the ocean. You know, I'd have to say my favorite space is the ocean. I mean, water in general, pools are okay, but there's something about the ocean, you know, the tidal shifts, the elements that it's always moving, but it's always accepting in a sense you can play around in it and uh although it does try to spit you out sometimes when the waves get bigger (laughs) but uh yeah like the element of when you some about getting in the water like you might be having a crappy day but the moment you get in the ocean everything else goes away when they talk about mindfulness it almost becomes like a natural easy thing in the water so when it comes to making spaces to be able to create spaces that are as inviting, spacious, and open as the ocean is, I feel like that's the challenge, to do it as well as Mother Nature did and has and does. Got any thoughts about that, Jess? Yes. Um, I hate the ocean, Kent. Sorry about it. But I really love your take on it. I love the way that you explained it. I love that you love it, even though I don't. <laughs> I'm very fearful of water. But you make space for yourself, dude. You do it. You do the thing. You do, you dude. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this part. And then we're going to jump into this episode with the fantastic Carly Bell. Why can't authenticity be from a positive perspective of I'm really good at this thing? And here are my strengths. And here is what makes me unique. And so I think often we equate authenticity with putting ourselves in a position of weakness. 
and of owning our weaknesses, which is so important. But you don't have to come in and say, I'm really bad at this, I'm really bad at that, I'm really bad at that, just to be authentic. You can come in and say, I'm really good at this. This is my like secret sauce. This is, you know, why I'm here in the world. I'm super good at helping this kind of person. And then that's being authentic as well. You know, it's more standing in your power than it is disempowering yourself. Hello, thank you friends so much for joining us, Spacemakers, to uh, the Making Spaces podcast. I am Sarah Heath and this is my amazing co-host. Josie, again in the house. It Josie is, is still here. Um, so our <laughs> this is a podcast about making space, both literally and figuratively for people and for yourself. And so the idea of not just design, but how do we create community? How do we create spaces for ourselves and other people to live and dwell in? And so today we have Carly. And you want to give a little bit of a background, Josie, on who Carly is? Yes, mom. Um, oh, so my gosh. <laughs> I just like that you tell me to do it, you know? I just like to like, it's like a hint. It's like a little like, Josie, do you want to? I guess that is kind of a mom thing. (laughs) No, I'm a passive aggressive mom. Things you learn. I'll write that down. My therapist and I can work through that. Keep going. I did it it again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to Carly. Carly, thank you. Is an amazing branding expert all about authentic branding. Um, She runs whole... Okay, I always get this wrong. Whole Media Co. Whole Co. Media. Dang it. Okay, I always do that. It's always one or the other in my head. She runs. I forgot it again. Anyways, Carly. Whole Co. Media. (laughs) Yes, good job, Sarah. Thank you. Sleep deprived, Josie. It's fine. It's fine. Carly, okay, so tell us a little bit more in your own words, Carly. Um, Yeah, so I basically, my big why, I guess, and what I'm doing is I help people see themselves and therefore authentically be themselves in their business. Um, I am a big believer that there are, you know, tried and true strategies and systems that help you build a successful business. But if you try to fit yourself into that box, it just isn't going to work in your business that you went into theoretically to find freedom and abundance and joy and all of that won't feel good. And so I try to not try, I do, it's actually kind of my magic sauce that I merge people's uh, authentic kind of core being into these strategies and structures and then help them build a business that then feels really fun for them because they get to work out of their strengths and be who they are instead of trying to be someone that they're not just in order to find some, you know, societally defined version of success so that's Mm. amazing we always put the poor guest in a hot seat before we ask uh the really pressing questions um we ask what is one of your favorite spaces and why and you can define space however you want like however loosely you want to define it you can define space as like you know um an actual literal space or it can be like i like you know, the space of silence or whatever it might be. Okay. (laughs) I won't go that poetic. (laughs) Um, Some people have. I I mean, I believe it and I love when people do that. But my answer honestly is uh, I lived in Australia for a few years and I'm still planning on going back when borders reopen. Um, And there is this beautiful waterfall in um, the Blue Mountains. And I think it's called Karangai National Park. And this waterfall it's probably the size of a skyscraper and you like hike up to it and then you watch it 
like you're up at the top of it and then you get to hike down to the bottom and it's like an all day experience. Um, but anyway, it is just the most surreal place to be. And when you're looking at it from the top, you can only see half of it. So you don't even realize like how fully amazing it is until you're at the bottom and looking all the way up at it. So it's a bit of a surprising spot. So it's like, it's beautiful. And then it's even more beautiful. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I love that. So you work with companies and people working on, um, is it mainly entrepreneurs? Yeah, I work primarily with what I call early entrepreneurs. So I work with people who are wanting to, um, I'm so sorry. Apparently the gardeners just got here. That's okay. We can't hear it. You're good. Okay. <laughs> just keep going. You're <laughs> safe. <laughs> um, sorry. So I work primarily with early entrepreneurs. So um, people who are individual entrepreneurs, so solopreneurs, but are wanting to hopefully then, you know, bring in a team eventually to help them kind of scale. But I get them right at the very beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. That's awesome. And what do you think is like the biggest hangup for people who like, I think sometimes when you try to tell people just be authentically you, everyone says, well, yeah. isn't that just like an automatic? Aren't we all just always being our authentic selves? What do you think is people are, is our, I don't know, Josie, you know, I don't know grammar. Um, <laughs> what do you think is the biggest hangup for folks and why they don't like kind of rest or nest in their authentic selves? Honestly, it's all of the it's the cheesy rhetoric of be yourself. I think right. that's what often like pushes people away from it is they're like, well, duh, I'm myself. And then they think, okay, well, I have to be myself because it's so obvious. You know, that's what everyone says that I'm supposed to do. Um, but they never then actually take the time to look at, well, what does that mean? And who am I actually? And then also there's so much fear the moment that they do start, you know, looking at like asking those deep questions um, there's so much fear that that person isn't enough. And well, if I am that person, then I won't be good enough. Um, and then I won't be able to succeed. And so it's just this like slippery slope of, you know, the expectations, but then also the fear. And then just really what it comes down to is a really internalized limiting belief, I think. Yeah. And I mean, how relatable in the age of the curated Instagram with these models, with the face tune and the Literally. people acting like they're being authentic. And then, oh, actually, you see them in person and they're a completely different human being. <laughs> so, like they look totally different. Yeah. I haven't had that experience. Have you either of you really had that experience where you've seen someone who... You know, I haven't had it with like that kind of experience, but I do have that experience within particularly the entrepreneurship world where people are like, my business is so good and everything's going so great. And then you hear them like a year later be like, yeah, my business was awful at that time. And I like wasn't making any money. And, you know, and it's like, what are you, what are you selling here? You know, you're, you're trying to be this successful business owner, but then you're not. And it's like a really shame-based cycle of trying to be that person when you're not actually. Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, why do you think it's so important to truly step into authenticity like in the terms of making space? Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about this because I was listening to some of your guys' podcast episodes earlier and I was Oh, I like that plug. Keep going. <laughs> um, but no, really thinking like about the work that I do in terms of making space. And um, 
I think honestly, when we show up as who we authentically are, we create space for other people to do the same thing. And it's really hard to be the first person to do it. Um, obviously, you're not ever the first person to do it. Someone else in the world has shown up authentically, but the first person within maybe your community or it feels like within your industry or something like that. Um, but the moment that it happens, everyone else takes a big sigh of relief because they're like, oh, finally, I get to just be myself. I don't have to, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to put this act on anymore. And so I think that's really where um, the concept of making space ties in so beautifully with this idea of showing up as your authentic self within your business. Now, how do you do that? I know one of the things that people often talk about is like, I want my team or I want people to feel like I know what I'm doing. And so sometimes p- people pair authenticity with like, I'm going to show all my faults. I remember, I remember Brene Brown being like, guys, you're misreading my authenticity stuff. If you think your first meeting is when you come in and say, these are all the things I'm horrible at. <laughs> Because that doesn't help. Like if you're in a team meeting, although I feel like I do that to you all the time, Josie. Um, But you know, you don't want people to like come in and just say, these are all the things I am horrible at. Um, Or the ship is going down. The business isn't doing well. Like how do you balance that idea of authenticity um, that in a way isn't like self deprecating to the point of like, you actually create the scenario you're most afraid of. So I think about you're trying to get people to buy into your business. Well, if you walk in, you're like, I don't know, we're not really doing well. Like sort of what's kind of what are the brackets around authenticity that you feel like um, are helpful within business or when you're trying to start or launch something? Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting how all of our brains immediately go with authentic. Like the moment we think about authenticity, we think negative. We think we have to be vulnerable in a negative way. Um, like about all of our weaknesses, when in reality, authenticity can be about coming in and saying, this is what I'm really damn good at. Sorry, I forgot the no cursing rule. Um, oh, we don't have no, that one. No, I don't know if you, oh, know, okay. if you see her shirt, it literally says damn on it. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> we are, there is uh, not a no cussing rule. We, we okay. tried that, but then our like, I have, we have a rotating guest who's on often is uh, my friend Kevin and they don't not cuss. That's just not, and talk about authenticity. Like I was not going to ask Josie to come on a show and be like, Josie, you have to only say things about flowers and puppies. <laughs> yeah. I, um, have a potty mouth as my dad would say. <laughs> perfect. Okay. Good. You can and say I- you're damn good at something is okay, all I'm perfect. saying. Perfect. So yeah, you know, why can't authenticity be from a positive perspective of I'm really good at this thing and here are my strengths and here um you know is what makes me unique and all of that and so i think often we equate authenticity with putting ourselves in a position of weakness and of owning our weaknesses which is so important but you don't have to come in and say i'm really bad at this i'm really bad at that i'm really bad at that just to be authentic you can come in and say i'm really good at this this is my like secret sauce this is you know why i'm here in the world i'm super good at helping this kind of person and then that's being authentic as well you know it's more standing in your power than it is disempowering yourself oh i love that i think that's a great point that has happened with the authenticity movement Right. Especially in the age of people realizing that you don't have to do everything alone. You can delegate. But part of delegating is knowing what you're good at first and then saying, okay, but I'm not that good at making 
graphic design graphics, so you do it. I feel personally attacked. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Josie, who gets calls from me, like how the other day I learned about Photoshop layers. I nearly called you at midnight. Josie. (laughs) Oh, I was asleep. Mm -mm. There are layers. (laughs) And if you click on one and it's below, you can't tell you clicked on it. And she would have been like, K champ. Um, (laughs) I think there is this beautiful thing about making space for people's strengths. Um, We are three women on this call today. I think sometimes we've been told that like authenticity about our strengths is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it comes off as, you know, for oftentimes I, th- I hope it's shifting a little bit. Men can come off as I know my strengths and it's considered uh, Josie, give me an adjective. Uh, powerful. Powerful. Right. Or like, man, that person is assertive, but assertive isn't a bad thing. But like, if you put the word, assertive on a woman um they're she's bossy she's bossy right Mm -hmm. um so i think allowing people to step into their strengths in a way that um is not like open space for it not to be intimidating per se but inspiring um anyone have thoughts on that because as you were speaking i was just like oh yeah i think it'd be great to walk into something about my strengths but then immediately that that thing in my head goes, nobody wants you to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, even within my own parental units, they're like, you need to really not talk about yourself like that because people are going to think that you're a really weird and rude person because all I said is like, oh, well, I'm good. I'm a good photographer or I can do that or I'm good at this or I'm good at that. All of a sudden I'm the arrogant asshole because I know what I'm good at. Yeah. And here's the thing, Josie, is I've always really admired how confident you are with what you're good at. And that's something that, I mean, honestly, I guess I could say you've made that space for me and I'm sure for so many other women as well, seeing how confident you are with just like, yeah, I'm a damn good photographer. Okay. Like I make (laughs) earrings now. Great. You know, (laughs) Um, and you're creating that space for people like me who you know, like the me during college when we were going to school together versus the me now are two completely different people in so many ways. Um, but, you know, looking, I remember being that person and seeing you being so confident and just honestly thinking, man, that would be nice because here I was like stuck in myself, you know? And so I think Sarah, to your point, often we, we are afraid that other people will, will perceive us that way. And maybe there will be some people but think about the silent majority of people who will be perceiving you in a way of, wow, I am so like, that's amazing that she's right. doing that. Right. You know? And that space opening, um, mm-hmm. like you said, like, oh, it's inviting someone else into their own strengths. Um, and when you look at a, a business, I think they're oftentimes, have, have either of you guys ever bought something because you're like, I don't know that I necessarily need this, but this, I, I believe in this thing they're doing. Like you yes. buy a product, they're shaking your head. You can't tell if you're listening to the podcast. You can if you're watching YouTube. Here's a plug for, check out both. Um, I think there is, like, I've, I have a friend who owns a candle company. If you look around my home, I have zero needs for candles. Like, I am, I, I'm a very minimalist designer, don't like to have a bunch of clutter, but I love candles, so I have candles all over my home. I don't need any more candles, but their company and what they do with it and how it's empowering for people. Like, it's just this beautiful thing that you buy something, even if you're like, I don't need that, but I need that. 
Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, we're moving into an interesting time with, um, you know, our buying habits where people are now more and more buying because they align with a business's values or they align with their mission more than just I'm buying because I want to buy. Like, you know, you look at the sustainable ethical clothing movement, you look at um, so many different kinds of niche products that have cropped up over the recent years you know it's all we're purchasing because we believe in the vision that that business is casting and we want that and it's like I will spend the extra money on that because I believe in the vision or like you I don't actually need a candle but I really believe in the vision so I want to help and I want to invest and it's our way I think of stepping into something that feels bigger than us and feeling like we're making a difference in the world um and also at the same time, having a fun little candle in our home that smells nice now, but always reminds us that we have a space in the world that we contributed to. Yeah, yeah and that. to your credit, Carly, I mean, a lot of us are kind of anti-Amazon now, even if we still buy because it's really difficult not to buy from Amazon. But you're kind of making a space for that ethical capitalism ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Of going back to the mom and pop shop because people are being their authentic selves. They're not selling you the lifestyle anymore. They're selling you on, do you believe in this? Um, And I've always said, I want you to tell me if this person is problematic because I vote with my wallet and I don't want to buy from them. You know? Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think it's so fun too, because, you know, the supporting the mom and pops, the supporting the individual, I don't work with any people who... I don't know, when I hear mom and pop, I think often like much older population and none of my clients have been, not that I'm not open to it, I'd love to work with more older people as well, but um, a lot of my clients have been like in the 30 to 40 range and, you know, looking so at- So really them, young, really, yeah, really super young. super young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, um, so much life ahead of them, right? And they have so much opportunity <laughs> to build something beautiful. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's exciting to think about how that person, if you invest in their business, you're investing in their like immediate community, which is then making a huge difference in their immediate community. And that's how we, you know, make big changes in the world. It's not, you know, okay, I'm deciding not to I don't know, use a takeout cup at Starbucks or something like that. Yeah, of course. Sure. You know, that's helpful. I don't think we can do that anymore, guys. But they did. (laughs) Starbucks did get rid of their straws, which I think is huge in the midst of COVID. Yeah, they got rid of you can no longer get a straw at Starbucks. Good to know. Yeah, they all don't even get me started on the waste that is coming out of COVID. It's ridiculous. I know. But what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's real bad. How do you begin this process of having people self-reflect? And you don't have to give away, as you call it, your secret sauce. But I'm just thinking as people are like, oh, yeah, I want to do this in my own, whatever it might be. And they may not be entrepreneurs. They, they might even be like, we, I help a lot of churches, believe it or not, design their spaces. So like communities, how do they, how do they start to get into like who they authentically are? What are some steps or thoughts that you have around that sort of stuff? Yeah, so... My favorite way of helping people get to know themselves is asking them the same question in multiple ways. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I will ask them questions like, what inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? But then I'll also ask them the question, if you had a storefront for your business, what would it look like? How would it feel? Who would come? 
And from both of those questions, even though they're different questions, they're getting at the same idea of what's your brand personality. Got um, it. And so when I ask them multiple questions and they, you know, they seem kind of frou-frou questions like, you know, that's easy. Oh yeah. I can imagine my dream storefront. Um, but when they kind of take the pressure off themselves, because I don't go into it saying, we're going to figure out who you are at your core, because that would be really intimidating, but take the pressure off and they can figure it out and they can just give their, their first answer. And that answer is usually what's actually true to them. And then we just dig deeper into that. So that's like actually the secret of the question that I ask at the beginning. Um, and I had a guest figure that out pretty quick. Like you ask about spaces because you're trying to figure out who we are, right? So yeah. I want an audience to get to know someone really quick. So I ask about the space and you can find out like friends of mine who are like my friend who's super like cerebral and very in his head. And his answer was, I like the spot of when people, I like the space when people are actively listening. Mm. Right. Which is like, most people are like, I really like, you know, this place in Italy. Someone said that. So what would I find out about the person who said Italy? They like aesthetics and outside stuff, like outside of their being, whereas mm -hmm. this person likes the interpersonal. So like you can get so into people simply by asking questions. I think that's something we've, we've kind of lost that skill a little bit. Mm, I agree. I'd love to hear what you, what you learned from my answer about me. Oh, <laughs> I think I, well, I wouldn't have assumed that you're someone who travels internationally. Like you just don't know that. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's an adventuresome side, but I also, um, as I heard you talk about, I like to hike this thing and it's great and it's wonderful. And then it's even better. So from you saying that, what I hear is an optimistic person mm -hmm. who like sees a space that's great. And then I see it's even better. Um, so that's what I got out of that. Josie, any thoughts on Josie as I'm being your mom again? Hey, Josie, what do you think? Mm. Mm. I just, I mean, I, I know that you frequent Australia and have lived there. Um, but I, I also know that you're very adventurous. And that kind of solidified that to me. Because yeah. some people are adventurous in the sense that they like to travel in general. But not a lot of people like to do the day hike to a waterfall and then keep on hiking and then <laughs> for the payoff at the end, but you're willing to work through it, through the adventure to get Ooh. to the best part. Wow. So it's like, I told so much. <laughs> I think that's like the, I think why I say it's a skill that I feel like we've lost is I think we've lost the skill of knowing ourselves well enough to know the space that we inhabit to be able to like sit with someone in their space and ask about their space or their humanity or who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think this show, if anything, has been about learning great questions because people will ask us questions back. In fact, we did an interview this morning and he, he asked a question back and he was like, is that okay? Um, <laughs> but that is, how do we, if there's not mutuality in space making, then you're just doing it at someone. You're not engaging right and I think when you're asking your clients all these questions um, you're getting into the core of them in a way that they may not even be aware and they might have if you weren't doing that I feel like they'd have blockades don't you feel like they would have a like totally. oh the answer I should say is this mm -hmm. because I'm really into shoes because their company is about shoes right and they know that they're supposed to tell you they're really about shoes but maybe they're not actually really about shoes or about what the shoe does for people you know um, mm -hmm things like that. So I just love, I love a good question asker. Yeah. 
No, I love that. And I think, you know, that is that concept that you were just talking about how people, um, you know, maybe they have a shoe business and their answer is supposed to be shoes. That's what they love. You know, it's never actually about the thing in anything that we do. It's never about just the thing. There's always something else that is motivated by desire for the thing. Right. Um, And that's actually part of what I also work with my clients on building is what's called their brand story. And so you think about any sort of story and you think, um, you know, the classic boy meets girl story, the boy wants to date the girl. Um, she's super popular. Maybe he gets bullied, you know, classic tropes here. Um, and in the movie, it's all about how he wants to date the girl. But at the end of the movie, even if he doesn't end up dating the girl, he gets what he really wants, which is to be accepted for who he is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of some of the work of like Donald Miller or like yeah, um, some, story yeah. theory. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, by the way, I wrote two books on this stuff because I'm super into it. <laughs> oh, did you? Nice. Okay. <laughs> my one book's called The Authenticity Challenge and the other one's called What's Your Story? So you are right up my alley. Wow. I will have to look those up. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And thank you for plugging them. Everyone else that's listening, go buy Sarah's books. Oh, you do not have to. They're on Amazon, so that <laughs> oh, upsets <what>? Josie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put them there. My publisher did. It's okay. also on their website, Cokesbury or Abington Press. But uh, okay. I think they're – I love hearing uh, the idea that the thing is never the thing you want, mm. right? Because I think we are in the midst of um, – I hate unprecedented guys. It's precedent. It's happened. But you know what I mean? We're in this like time where we're starting to see that the thing was never the thing, right? All our hopes, our dreams, our desires, all these things. And then we have these space makers or people who have ma- who are able to say like, maybe that's not actually the thing you wanted in the first place. So you lost the thing and you feel devastated. So a lot of people are uh, the job they've trained for no longer exists or isn't what they thought it was going to be. And then you feel stuck. So if that was the only thing you were chasing after, what does life look like if it isn't about something more? I mean, one of the things I love about having a friendship with Josie is she never, it's never about money for Josie. It's never about, it's always about what is it doing? You know, what is it? Like even her, you said her earring, um, I just recorded a commercial for your earrings because I actually, I think they're amazing, but they're made out of, you know, found not found, but repurposed leather. And so it's this idea of salvaging things. And for her working with her hands and, and creating this thing is it's about beautification, but it's more than that. It's about reusing things and not wasting. It's all these different layers and you can't get to that with tell me what you do, which is the question we ask, right? Yeah. And I think this whole COVID situation uh, is really brought about a time that I'm really excited about because I've always been trying to tell people like you can work for the money, but it's not going to make you happy. And sure, statistically, money does a little bit of money does make you happier, right? Because your life is easier. A little but bit. people uh, just, but it's like seventy five grand a year. Seventy, yeah, whatever. Um, and now people are realizing that they work from home, which is difficult for a lot of people or their children are at home, or they lost their job and they have to cope, uh, they realize that the job was not making them happy in the first place. The pursuit of this quote-unquote success was not making them happy. Um, So now, I mean, a lot of people aren't 
concerned with the corporate life anymore. They're found lots of Etsy stores have popped up, lots of new hobbies, which is super exciting. Um, even if they are my competition, but <laughs> just kidding, I don't compete. It's uh, it's just fun because I, I that's what I've always been really passionate about, getting people to know that like this corporate lifestyle and the 40 hours a week is not going to make you feel like your best self. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, even if you want to continue working for the man in a big business or something, that's fine. But I think what this time has shown a lot of people is, but wait, I can have a life outside of that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do the 40 hours plus two hours of a commute every day, two hours minimum, usually of a commute mm-hmm. every day. Um, and then just live for the weekends where I'm exhausted and do my household chores and meal prepping. Um, you know, it's really shown people, okay, yeah, I can still work for these bigger businesses, but I can do it at my house and I can go on a walk during lunch and I don't have to be commuting back and forth every day and spending all of this time, again, doing something I don't love. Or if they are realizing, wow, I don't actually enjoy this job at all, then now is kind of a, an opportunity to say, okay, well, what do I actually want from my life? And what was I trying to achieve in this job? Because more often than not, it was status or social acceptance or, you know, like money or something like that and realizing was, was that actually what I needed? Is that what I wanted? Um, or was I just chasing that because that's what I was taught that I needed to chase? Yeah. It's, uh, knowing whether you were told the story or whether the story is yours. Yes. I think that's a big part of the branding piece that you're doing. And it's not so funny, like almost, I, don't, I almost feel like every human should have to go through a branding thing, not because I think you have to like put forward your best self, but to know your best self, Yeah. right? Like, so that you can identify when the story you're being told is a false one. Mm. Um, because what is advertising other than trying to tell you a story about yourself or what you need or what you're missing? Like when I, I I'll, I'll never forget the moment I realized that advertising was really about telling me what was missing in my life. Yeah. And it's a shocking realization. It's like, oh, that's the reason it works is because it's yeah. making me feel bad about myself. Yeah. Not uh, because it's necessarily oh. <laughs> painting, a, right. It's not necessarily painting a picture of like something that would add to my life. So my life is already assumed not to be good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I work in an industry where we've got the answer to your life. We start out by telling you your life isn't good, but if you just do these couple of things, and come and hang out with us, your life will feel better versus saying your life on a, on a base level is, is already beloved, already, is already great. Now, you might have issues within it and all this sort of stuff, but like your natural state when you are your most authentic self is, is, is really good. And any deviance from that is what feels not good, right? Mm-hmm. So the harmful things in our lives or whatever it might be, but I think it's not as easy to sell that. And so the beauty is having a bunch of people who are themselves in a way that's really holistic. And I love the name of your company, even if she can't remember it, um, because it is about wholeness. Is it, is it about wholeness? Is that what the name is? I'm assuming that was what it had to do with. Yeah. So, I mean, I can tell you a little story about that, I guess. But, Please. We love uh, a story. We okay. love a story. <laughs> so um, when I was at school, um, at APU, 
Um, I September's APU month, by the way, guys, all of our episodes that we've recorded in September have been APU people. And that was oh, just really? by accident, just the scheduling worked <laughs> out that way. Well, apparently we're just marketing for them. Azusa Pacific will hate this because there's a lot of cussing. <laughs> and um, I, we might have some challenging beliefs about some things that happen there. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Gosh, so, you're a good storyteller. I'm already, I'm excited. Go. <laughs> no, but actually, this is a good story about my being there because I had a art professor, actually, who I'm not, I wasn't an art major. Um, but I wish I would have done that. It would actually be more aligned with what I'm doing now than political science, my real major. Um, but anyway, so I had an art professor and we had an, a, an assignment of doing a self-portrait. It didn't have to look like us. It just had to represent us in some way. And so I drew like a portrait, a, a side outline of a woman's face. Um, and on the inside I wrote, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. On the outside I wrote, too much, too much, too much, too much. And as I was creating this piece, Dang. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually wasn't even conscious that I was doing this in the moment. Like, I was just trying to be my most authentic self. Um, and as I was creating it, I, like, kept adding things to it. And like, oh, there's too much now. But then I would look at it again and be like, oh, there's not enough on there. So then I'd add more. And so I was literally living this battle, right? And I went and showed it to my art professor. And I was like, I hate this. I just, I hate it. It's horrible. Um, this is, you know, like I can't figure out what to do. It's due soon. So I'm going to try and start something new, but I can't decide. And he just paused for a moment. And then he looked at me and he was like, I think you don't like it because it's true. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I obviously started crying. Um, and and so he challenged me to find a new word for enough because enough is a value judgment, but, um, and anyone can therefore say you are or are not enough. And so then I like took the next week, figured out my word and my word was whole because either you have a whole pie or you don't have a whole pie. You, there's no questions there. You can't like, no one can say anything differently. And so that is kind of the word that I've used to define myself, you know, of like, this is who I am. I am a whole human being. And with that comes all of the good and all of the bad and everything in between. Um, And then when I was thinking about starting my business and thinking about the kind of people I wanted to work with, what I wanted to do, it just seemed kind of the like the natural word to put with it. And it's so fun to see how it's evolved as I have evolved and how that word, the definition of that word has evolved um, over the past probably five years or so now since that first moment, so. it's. Do you feel like it's evolved in a cultural sense or do you feel like it's evolved personally for you? I think it's evolved personally for me, but I also think that um, it's evolved in a cultural sense as well. There's so many people using that word whole now or holistic. Um, and I this is all happening in my life originally back when Brene Brown, like first kind of like became a huge phenomenon, you know, St. Uh, Brene as I call her. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that, our patron saint of honesty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that I think the timing of everything has definitely aligned where it's evolved for me personally, but it's also definitely been a word that's evolving in uh, culture as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think uh, it has been 
incredible to hear uh, from you. We always sort of wrap things up with the conversation by asking what is like one tangible thing if someone wants to make space for themselves or like, um, or other people, uh, if, if that would be uh, something you would think of, what would be like one tangible thing you would share with someone as a way of making space for themselves or others and take it in whatever vague way you want to? Okay. <laughs> I think um, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of if you just take that first step to allow yourself to be who you really are, to be your you know, authentic self, um, then you create space for other people to do the same. And again, it doesn't have to mean that you come in and say, I am horrible at this, or I, you know, I'm an awful person in this way. You can just come in and say like, Josie, I'm a really damn good photographer. And then that creates space for other people. So, to have that so what are you <laughs> really damn good at? <laughs> <laughs> I am really damn good at seeing people for who they are. Uh, I love that. So that's my thing. <laughs> Well, this has been incredible. It has been wonderful to chat with you as always. Thank you so much, friends, for listening. Um, we would love for you to check us out. What are the ways and places and spaces where we can find you, Carly? Um, so I am at Whole Co Media. Um, that's on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Um, and that's W-H-O-L-E-C-O Media, M-E-D-I-A, and also WholeCoMedia.com. Awesome. And Josie, where are the spaces and places they can find us? Thanks, mm, ma'am. So. You can find us on Instagram at Making Spaces Podcast. You can email us if you love us or hate us at makingspacespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on any, almost any podcast platform, unless you like the really weird ones, then don't at me. I found it. Somebody um, reposted us on Twitter with one that I'd never heard of. Yeah, there's a lot. I was, but I was like, oh, we're on that. I didn't know that. Yeah. You learn so something new every day. Literally, wherever you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe. That might be the YouTube thing, but you can find us on YouTube That's at youtube.com slash Rev Sarah Heath. Uh, Please leave it. us a message. You can go to www.anchor.fm slash slash um, making spaces and leave us a message about where your favorite space is and why, because we would love to include you in a coming up show. I think those are all of our housekeeping. I think so. So uh, see you next week. We'll be saving a space for you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.